We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And we broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. This is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm not even kidding. It is. Recently named as such, I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Got a really big show planned for you. However, if you should see fit to jump in this conversation this evening via email, I am more than happy to take it as soon as I can pull this up. How, how is this not ready? I'm iPad. Dropbox. Come on now. Here we go. Here we go. This is perhaps, perhaps not. How do you get in touch with the show? Let's go to file. Let's go to David Lee. That name will be mentioned here in a second. Here we go. This is how you get in touch with me. Not kidding. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at bbqcentralshow.com or on the Twitter and Instagrams at bbqcentralshow. Anything else you want to find out about the show, you can find at the main website, thebbqguru.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Uh, first and foremost, if you didn't watch the show last week, this is, I guess, what you would call a pre-recorded show. However, don't let that fool you. This is a brand new show. This isn't recycled. This isn't brought back from the archives. None of that stuff. It's a brand new show. It just so happens I've put it in the can prior to me going under the knife. This is more or less being done this past Thursday as I get it all together and so forth. Coming up in about uh, 12 minutes from now, the third Tuesday of the month regular guest. He is a barbecue hall of famer, a multiple-time author, a cooking class instructor, TV show host. The list goes on and on. You know him as friend of this show, Stephen Reichlin. Absolutely. Tonight, we will be talking with Stephen specifically about a lot of Cooking recipes for your holiday season. Obviously, we are in the middle of Hanukkah right now. Christmas not too far around the corner. And then whatever other holiday you might be celebrating this season, we will have some insight on a gift giving, of course, because that's very important. We love our material items. But secondly, the food, that might be just as important as the gift stuff. Prime rib instructions. We got 
Meathead Prime Rib Instructions last week. We will get Stephen Reichland Prime Rib Instructions this week. There may be some differing of opinions on how to go ahead and cook them and finish them and what cookers to cook them in and temperatures to take them to and all that stuff. That's why, while it might seem a little redundant, everybody's got their own take. So you can go ahead and pick what you think is most important. And the best advice, give it a try. And if it works out, great. And if not, you can try another way a different time. Here's what I suggest. If you're going to try something new, make sure you have some type of a pad of paper or a netbook or a Chromebook or something where you can track your progress. Make notes. Sounds really weird and really nerdy. However, if it's a length of time between when you're going to cook the primer this time and the next time, if it was really good, you don't want to have to rely on your memory in order to make sure that you're achieving the same results, right? Write down some really key items or get really nerdy with it and write down everything that you're doing. So the next time you cook it, you can go back, fact check, replicate, give your best, give yourself the best chance at making the same great piece of meat that you did the last time. So long-winded way to say that Stephen Reichland will be talking about prime rib. We're also going to be talking about some Cuban-based Christmas pork. And we will also discuss something that you've seen back in the ye old days, like English Christmas goose. Where do you get it? What does it taste like? Best way to prep it? All that good stuff. And then we'll mix in some other items as time may or may not allow. Stephen Reichland at 914. Then at 935, he is a friend of this show. Met him in person down in Hartville a little earlier this summer. John Solberg will be joining me. Really excited to be talking to John about the new project that him and I have been teaming up with. This is called the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 Minutes or Less. So this segment with John will be specifically dedicated to talking about the concept, what you can expect as a subscriber to the Barbecue Central Show feed. This will be added in as a supplement to the normal feed. We're going to be looking to release it. We're toying Thursday or Friday over the course of the week to kind of give you something to nibble on before another live show archive hits the airwaves uh, Tuesday, late Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. So when you consume it, you'll have the show on a Wednesday through that rest of the week. And then Thursday, maybe Friday of that week, you'll also get another nugget. John and I will go in-depth to exactly what you can expect if you already subscribe. If you're not subscribing, if you're just watching the show for the first time, maybe you might want to think about subscribing via iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast catcher you have so you don't miss the new supplemental program, some of the best interviews and segments and rants and technical mishaps and who knows. John is putting them all together. I'm going to give you some contact information for John during that segment, so stand by for that. And that's John Solberg, 935. Then we will move into the second hour. We haven't done this kind of an interview in a while. I'm not sure why. I'm always interested. I'm always happy to provide this unbiased platform to do it. But the KCBS Board of Director elections will be coming up here shortly, early January, if I'm not mistaken. And joining me for the first time is the pitmaster of Smoke and Coles out of the great state of Tennessee. Jason Cole will be joining me. We'll learn a little bit about his background and his uh, competition background, of course. But most importantly, we'll talk about why would you want to run for the KCBS Board of Directors, what kind of qualifications he has, and what kind of a platform he is going to be allowing you for consideration so you may or may not vote for him. 
That's Jason Cole at 1014 and then at 1035. Folks, I am very excited. Of course, you know uh, this guy. You hear him on the show all the time, the guy that says this. All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. A guy that can say this. Cleveland. That's so cool. His name, by the way, is David Lee, and he will join me for the very first time as a guest on this show to close it out. Barbecue Central's very own voice imaging voice, not to be redundant, a nationally recognized talent, dare I say, treasure when it comes to voice work. The voice of Westwood One, the voice of Dial Global, the voice of Fox Sports One, Major League Baseball, and football, pro professional bull riding, motocross. Uh, Did I say clear channel already? I mean, you've heard him probably for years, if not decades. He's been in the radio business since the mid-70s or so, getting into various really large stations and has weathered the conglomerate buying and vanillaing of all the radio stations across the country. So we will talk to David Lee about his background in radio. When did the pipes come into play? Yeah, when did you know you could say that like that? And we'll get a first-hand account because we'll be talking to him, not in studio per se, or having all these wild. Do you think that that guy has incredible effects and processing and all that stuff to get that voice? We're going to be able to put that right to bed this evening at 1035 when we talk to him on the line. So stay tuned for David Lee. The official voice of the Barbecue Central show, davidleeimaging.com is his website. So I know if you need voice work done, you can get at him. And I have him call me the most homoerotic host on the face of the Internet. So, you know, he's not afraid to give his take or read anything, right? Easy enough. So that's what's happening. 216 is the area code that I'm not, I'm actually not going to give you a phone number. I'm not here to answer your phone calls. That's what I'm saying. However, you can send me an email if you want to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, and we are off and running. That's the show that you have to look forward to. So we have Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break. I want to first talk to you about the CHOPS Power Injector System, the NBBQA 2015-2016-2017 Barbecue Tool of the Year. Three awesome sizes to fit your injecting needs. The number one seller is the Chops Half Gallon, designed for the competition person or to pump up the backyard warrior just like me. So easy to use. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you just have one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't have to fill it all the way up. Here's the nice thing. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with a whole mess of really cool stuff. You pay 100 bucks for that one, and you pay shipping on top of that. Then you have the one-gallon Chops Power Injector System. It's designed for catering and bigger jobs. It will hold double the amount of the injection of the half gallon. That's why they call it the one gallon. This one comes with the same amount of really cool stuff. It's 120 bucks, plus you pay shipping anywhere. Then you have the full power electric system. This time, it's not a holding tank, but a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. It was designed for Chef Rob at the Best Barbecue Restaurant in Kansas City. He has said time and time again that with the CHOPS full-power ejector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11.5-gauge needles, 
plug screws, needle protector, 325 bucks, plus you pay shipping on top of that. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System every day to make their barbecue better than the rest because we live in a foodie world that now requires flavor in every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat. How about alcohol-infused watermelon? Why not? Every injector hand-assembled in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. And if you are already a Chops Power Injector customer and you think your pump is broke, let me caution you. It's not broke. Here's what you want to do. Find Dan on Facebook. He's on Facebook. He's made a series of videos on how you can go ahead and troubleshoot the pump. Actually, undo the pump from the bottle, two separate pieces. The pump sometimes gets a little dry. You need to keep it oiled. He has an extensive how-to-fix DIY yourself in repair. I did it. I lost suction on my pump. I thought it was effed. I watched this quick video, and five minutes later, I'm back up and running. So very much worth the lookout. Visit the website, barbecuekansascity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, barbecuekansascity.com. And check out the CHOPS Power Injector System. You're going to wonder how you ever injected with just one needle the first time you do it with four. Under pressure, no less. How about 10 bucks in the time that it'll take you to do one with one syringe? Think about it. BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com. Stephen Reichlin coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Championship pitmasters are winning with Smithfield. You can do it too. Commit to cooking with Smithfield this 2018 barbecue season, and you will receive smoking swag just for participating. A few requirements. You have to pay a $25 shipping fee, and you have to be a member of a major sanctioning body when it comes to competition barbecue. Be sure to come back, track your first place finishes with pork and ribs to win great prizes through the Walking with Smithfield Incentive Program. More on that to come later. Once a Smithfield committed cook, show us your Smithfield with a hashtag, show us your Smithfield. Get up on Facebook and Instagram and reap the rewards. You can sign up at smokingwithsmithfield.com. 500 spots, by the way, so get yours soon. All right, my first guest can be seen on this show the third Tuesday of each month. He is a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Famer, a TV show host, barbecue cooking class instructor, multiple-time author. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Stephen Reichlin. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Greg. How are you? Absolutely fabulous, Stephen, and appreciate you making time as always. First and foremost, I know we're right smack dab in the middle of the high holiday for you, Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to you. And, uh, of course, since we're in the midst of holiday season, I would imagine a question that you're getting quite a bit of this time of the year is, hey, I have a loved one or a friend or maybe a boss and I'm trying to get a little brown nose action going. I need a really good gift idea when it comes to live fire cooking. What are you suggesting this year and what do you really like this year? What would you want this year? 
Well, if I can be uh, a little self-serving, I'll give you three things that pertain to Stephen Reichland. So, gift number one, uh, one of my books, like Project Smoke, why a book? Because a book is a gift that goes on giving. Teach a man to fish or teach a man to smoke, and he can smoke the rest of his life. Certainly. Gift number two, uh, I would say, let's say, a set of my new Project Smoke spice rubs. There are six, one for steak, one for pork, Mediterranean herb rub. I use them all the time. Uh, they make you look great just by opening the bottle. Number three for you big spenders, or if it's somebody you really want to thank or really want to woo, we just came out with gift certificates to Barbecue University, my school of all things live fire cooking at the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado Springs. You can find all of those items on barbecuebible.com. Do you have, for the folks that might be just getting into the live fire cooking thing, do you have like those introductory gift suggestions or the thing to kind of blaze the pass and ramp up the learning curve a little bit quicker? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, aside from books, I mean, you know, basic tools, uh, a good set of long-handled spring-loaded tongs. I like the Luma tongs, which have a flashlight built into the arm so you can see what you're doing. Uh, long-handled grill brush or grill scraper, instant read meat thermometer. There are many great brands. We like Maverick. Uh, so uh, all of those are really useful. Now that you're outfitted with some really cool tools, you want to put them to use. So we're going to spend a decent amount of time here in this segment this month talking about cooking, of course, the one that a lot of people will mark up with a Christmas or a holiday season, of course, is that prime rib. Last month, it was all about turkey, and some people yeah. double up. This is maybe the only two times during the course of the year that they'll have turkey. Let me take a complete left turn here while I'm thinking about it. Do you think that people are eating enough turkey? Do you think that with the popularity of Texas-style barbecue or barbecue in general over the last handful of years? Because a lot of the successful restaurants will have some type of turkey on their menu. Do you think that the overall consumption of the American public on turkey has gone up? And I'm just asking you to speculate, of course. I do not think people are eating enough turkey at all, nearly enough turkey at all. Uh, I think 98% of the turkeys get eaten, uh, raised in the United States, get eaten Thanksgiving week uh, weekend. Even though turkey appears on barbecue uh, restaurant menus, sometimes uh, I, I, I would like to see it become a week a meat you eat uh, every week. You know, it's funny. I was taping this show in Italy during the fall, and you couldn't believe how many times I, I saw turkey on restaurant menus. And, you know, I mean, turkey isn't even an Italian thing, but it's a great meat rich flavor, uh, uh, meaty, rich, inexpensive, uh, eat more turkey. Is it? But now this time of year, let's eat prime rib. That's right. So that's where I was going. Obviously, everybody's thinking prime rib here. So unlike the turkey where, I mean, if you can get a 20-pound turkey, it's going to cost you a decent amount depending on what you're getting. But prime rib, obviously, a little bit more on the uh, taxing of the wallet, especially because, I mean, there's not like the Wagyu of turkey where you look at meat, and, of course, there's a whole bunch of different grades. So let's talk about grade first, and I know you're kind of a fan of get what you can afford, but maybe eat meat a little less, save up, so when you need to splurge, you might have that extra bank account. Talk to me a little bit about meat decisions. Okay. First of all, for me, uh, eat less but eat better. That's absolutely a byword. Uh, when I do prime rib, I actually like it from a prime steer. About 2% of all steers raised qualify for prime. Uh, prime, it refers to the grade, 
grating refers to the amount of marbling uh, in uh, in the meat. I think it's between the sixth and seventh rib. Uh, but it's uh, it's expensive. Dry aged prime rib. Uh, it's another great way to add flavor. Dry aging, you hang it up for uh, anywhere between three weeks and six months. Six months is a little extreme. Wow. But let's say you got a four week aged prime rib. Uh, you're going to have all kinds of enzymatic actions that's going to deliver a really great flavor. Um, but of course, in the process of drying, a lot of water evaporates. You lose the ends which dry out. So that's going to pump up the cost even more. Another option, and this is something we think about a lot in my household, grass-fed beef, organic beef, uh, because, you know, what the animal eats, how it's raised uh, matters as much as how you cook it. Now, grass-fed is going to be leaner than a grain-finished uh, beef, but if you smoke it, if you spit-roast it, you can still uh, wind up with something amazingly succulent. Do you have a suggestion on what size of a piece of prime rib to buy, depending on how many people are going to be there? Is, a, is there a portion? Obviously, it will change. I mean, if you're just a big eater, you're a big eater, right? But is there a general amount or a rule of thumb? Well, I, I generally get a three-rib or a four-rib prime rib. More often, three ribs. That'll feed six people comfortably, leave you leftovers. Of course, you do have the problem of who gets the bones because there are only three bones and six people. Uh, but um, – uh, it's a it's a it's a nice size piece of meat, six or eight pounds. Uh, fits great on a rotisserie, which is my favorite way to cook a prime rib. Uh, on a uh, let's say a, a Weber kettle uh, rotisserie, but um, it, it's you know a seven rib, seven bone prime rib. You know that's an eighteen pound piece of beef. That's pretty serious. <laughs> pretty expensive also, too. Pretty expensive. Yeah. From a preparatory standpoint, once you get it from the butcher, are you a Big fan of having the bone removed and having it tied back on, or yeah, discarding it all together. Like, what's your deal? Bone in, bone in. The way, uh, way it came off the steer. All right. Uh, so, when you get it back from the butcher, how do you go about setting it up, getting it ready for that rotisserie? Well, if I'm, you know, I guess what often, what I do most often is uh, I stick it with the tip of a paring knife, making slits about uh, one, every inch and a half. In half of those slits, I place a sliver of garlic. In half of those slits, I place a little sprig of fresh rosemary. Season the heck out of it with coarse sea salt and cracked black peppercorns. It goes on the rotis, spit roasts 350 to 400 degrees. I toss wood chips on the coals so that I'm smoking it as well as spit roasting it. Uh, I take it to about 125 Kind of pull it off at 120, let it bump up. 125 is rare. You like it a little bit more well done. Go 130, so you wind up at 135. Um, and that's it. Pretty simple. 15-minute rest. Uh, I like to serve it with a horseradish whipped cream. So you whip unsweetened cream, fold freshly grated horseradish into it, a little wasabi, a little hot sauce if you want to pump up the heat. And, you know, damn, it's spectacular. Super easy. Would you put that... Wasabi, or I'm sorry, that uh, horseradish whip on a pit beef sandwich. I see that in you all over the place. You bet, you bet. Yeah, that uh, horseradish cream, it's, uh, you know, I, I like to just eat it out of the jar right on the spoon, right off a spoon. One of the other items that I was looking at as I was perusing the Barbecue Bible blog, and you can visit that by going to barbecuebible.com. We're talking with Stephen Reichlin here is the Christmas Cuban pork. So I love pork. I love Cuban-style pork. Talk to me a little bit about this recipe and how you came up with it. 
Well, this is a dish that's a very distinctive, uh, I was going to say to Miami, it originated in Cuba, obviously, but since Miami is about 70% Cuban, it's, yep. uh, this is what you smell on Christmas Eve. Uh, very often starts with a whole hog uh, or a, a whole fresh ham or pork shoulder. Uh, there's a marinade, which is called an adobo. Uh, historically, by the way, that means to ennoble in medieval Spanish. And when you dub the Sir Lancelot, you're ennobling somebody by tapping him on the shoulder. Well, in this case, you're ennobling the pork with a marinade that's made with fresh garlic, sour uh, orange juice or fresh lime juice, uh, cumin. Uh, those are the kind of three primary flavorings. That goes on the meat 24 hours ahead. So you get a slight, you get a marinating, a little bit of brining from the salt. Uh, and then it, uh, you can cook it, you can indirect grill it. Uh, Cubans don't really smoke it. It's really more an indirect grill. If you're doing a whole pig, you butterfly it out, cook it over, uh, slow smoke over embers. Uh, there's also something called a cajachina, which is a, a Chinese box, which is basically a, a steamer trunk uh, made of wood with a coal pan at the top. And you fill the coal pan with charcoal. And you're kind of roasting the pig in this pan. It's not really barbecue because there's no smoke, no fire coming in direct contact with the pig. But it does give you incredibly succulent meat. So if you aren't using a whole hog or that's not your style, you can use a pork butt. Or can you use a loin or a tenderloin or something along these lines as well? You can use all of those. Um, I, I would stick with a pork shoulder or a butt because it's you need fat. The traditional dish is very fatty. It's got a lot of crust. It's got kind of crusty skin. It's got crusty, fat, seared exterior. And if you get into your tenderloin or your pork loin, you'll wind up with something very tasty, but it's not lechon asado. I do need to add that there's a sauce that goes with this. The sauce is called mojo. Uh, you start by frying garlic and oil and then deglazing uh, the pan with sour orange juice. Again, cumin. Some people add cilantro. Uh, and it's a wonderful, fragrant, aromatic counterpoint to the richness of the pork. The other recipe that I saw, and you hear about it like in the olden days in Europe, was a Christmas goose. I've never yeah. I have never seen a Christmas goose hung in a butcher's window or anything it's just something you read about or hear about in the old time movies but you have a recipe for it so is it readily available like you can find pork belly and steak and all this other stuff or is it a little bit harder to find well it's definitely harder to find in most places it's a special order item you can find it online uh, and you can order it from a pre-order from a good butcher shop i wouldn't even be surprised actually i think i saw goose uh it uh at whole foods uh, it's a dark meat. It's a rich meat. It's, a, it's a, a tougher than duck, certainly tougher than chicken uh, because it's more exercise. It's larger. And the funny thing is the recipe on uh, in my blog, actually, although it's served at Christmas, it comes from Israel. It's a, um, it's a, it's a smoked uh, goose that I had in uh, the town of Rosh Pinah in Israel. It's a recipe in uh, Planet Barbecue. We have it on the site. Uh, you brine the uh, goose first and then you smoke it. And it's uh, it's a wonderful dark rich meat. It's really great. Do you have a flavor profile that you could compare it to? Is it more like a duck than poultry? It's, or? Like a duck. it's a lot more like a duck than a chicken. Uh, it's a duck. It's got some sort of beefy uh, overtones to it. Um, you know, definitely in the dark dark game. You know, dark bird, dark meat bird uh, family. Acquired taste or not so much. 
Well, I think the piece that's acquired, it's very fatty, first of all. Uh, it's a little tough. Uh, you know, if you're used to turkey, which is pretty mild, um, it can make you sit up and take notice. But I, I think when you smoke it, and this was the great discovery for me because I've, you know, I've tried roasting goose many times and not enjoyed it very much. But when you smoke it, you're doing exactly what you do to a tough cut of meat like brisket. You're breaking down all the muscle fibers. You're making it tender. The brine makes it succulent. And I think that's much the best way to handle it. All right, so if you are looking for Christmas goose recipes, barbecuebible.com to go ahead and grab one. and show By me way, pictures. I'm going to give a little shout-out to my assistant, Nancy Lowski, who is, uh, actually lives in Cleveland, That's right. and uh, Nancy wrote that blog. So, uh, Nancy, good work. Thanks. All right, barbecuebible.com to check that out if you're interested in Christmas goose. One of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about here, Stephen, is the year is obviously drawing to a close. Eleven months ago, we were talking about what do we think are going to be big trends in 2017. You obviously generate a list every year. So as you look back at that list that you had generated all the way back either – at the end of December last year going into January this year, do you have a top one or two that you think were really breakout winners or successes? And perhaps do you have one or two that you thought were really going to hit that really never made it to the plate? Absolutely. I'm so glad you asked. Let's start with the uh, with the trends that didn't really become major right. uh, major uh, earth shakers. Let's do it. Uh, one was uh, I thought almond wood was going to be a really hot wood uh, for uh, for grilling. Almond wood, you know, you find it in California, and it's still pretty much only in California. The other one was Middle Eastern flavors. I thought this was going to be the year of Middle Eastern grilling, and I don't think that really took off. On the other hand, two trends that I believe I correctly predicted, one, caveman everything. This is, I call, cavemaning the process of cooking meat or vegetables or seafood or even raw dough. Uh, directly on the embers without a grill grate. I think this was super hot. Uh, I can't tell you the number of restaurants where I saw, uh, obviously, caveman steaks. Uh, in New Orleans, I saw caveman shrimp on the set of uh, Project uh, Smoke 3. We did caveman lobster. So that was really big. But the other one, I think this is more than a trend. I think this is a new way of looking at food. Uh, I called it uh, HOW, and that is H-H-O-W. Uh, how your food is raised matters as much as how you smoke or grill it. And that acronym, H-H-O-W, refers to heritage, as in heritage pork, heirloom, as in heirloom vegetables, uh, O, as in organic, and W, as in wild. I think the, uh, we are really the age of organic meats, of heirloom uh, varieties of pork, heritage varieties, varieties of pork, really paying attention to where the food comes from. I think that's a huge trend. It's, it's more than a trend. It's, it's, uh, it's a watershed moment in American barbecue. And you were talking about, I believe that was one of the, uh, as you say, watershed moments of your 2015 induction into the Hall of Fame speech was talking about knowing where your food's coming from and then also – uh, where it comes from is just as important as how you cook it. So two years later, almost three years later, obviously that's still ringing true and not losing any pace. Last question before I let you go this evening, Stephen, always appreciate the time. I've seen an emergence of plant-based burgers, not veggie burgers, mind you, but these plant-based burgers look like beef. 
And yep. there's a guy by the name of Michael Simon who has a burger joint or a number of burger joints in and around the greater Cleveland area. It's called the Impossible Burger, and they're available for sale in his joints. I have had two of them, and I have to tell you, if I was never told that these weren't meat burgers, I probably never would have thought a second thought about it. Have you had them, and do you think that this has a potential of not just being a trend for next year or the year after that, but really becoming a part of a beef alternative that's almost everything like beef, but yet nothing like beef? Uh I, I have not had Michael's. I haven't been to Cleveland in a while, but I have other. I've had other versions. Uh, I think they are here to stay. Uh, I think they are an important and valuable uh, alternative to a beef burger. Uh, you know, a steady diet of beef burgers, however delicious it may be, is not terribly good for your arteries. Right. It's also turns out not terribly good for the planet. Uh, and some of these burgers that, you know, they're, they're terrific. It's funny. I remember, uh, a million years ago when I uh, used to write about low fat food, uh, the result of, uh, developing a cholesterol problem when I was a restaurant critic for Boston magazine, this was the pre Lipitor days. And I remember uh, creating a veggie burger where I grated fresh beets into it. So it came out blood red. It sort of looked, uh, you know, uh, looked juicy, but yeah, I think I, Will these ever replace a, burger, a beef burger? No, but will they become part of our diet and something we, uh, that gives us pleasure and that we cherish? Absolutely. For more information on the art of live fire cooking, you head over to barbecuebible.com, and every third Tuesday of the month, you come over to my show and enjoy a chat with Stephen Reichland. Stephen, enjoy the rest of Hanukkah. Have a great Christmas, and we will see you in the new year, my friend. Happy holidays to everybody. Bye-bye. There he is, Stephen Reichland. All right. It's a brand new year coming up, and <clears throat> as I choke to death, we will be enjoying a 2018 that will be chock full of Stephen Reichlin once a month, the third Tuesday of the month. Guests again, barbecuebible.com. We talked about prime rib, Christmas Cuban pork. If that sounded good, go to the website and get that. And Christmas goose, of course. Who doesn't want Christmas goose? I know what you want. You want the barbecue guru. That's right, folks. If you're learning to turn up or looking to turn up the heat on your barbecue skills this summer, you're going to need to get your hands on the most advanced ceramic cooker and high-tech barbecue accessory to hit the market this year. We're talking about the all-new Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition and CyberQ Cloud. Just launched by Barbecue Guru, the world's first temperature-controlled ceramic smoker and grill with a built-in power draft fan that's going to give you the easiest and most successful barbecue experience. These must-have new products will make barbecuing easier than ever before and will be your new secret weapon when cooking delicious barbecue each and every time. It helps you with consistency. Ready to buy? Of course. Head on over to bbqguru.com. Grab them up while they last. If you have any questions about what to order, and I'd say it each and every week, please do not guess. If you don't want the monolith or you don't want the CyberQ Cloud, if you just want something else for a Weber Bullet or a Weber Kettle or Ceramic Cook, don't guess. Call them, ask questions, and they'll make sure that you have exactly what you need so you are up and running right out of the box. Again, the website, bbqguru.com, or you can call them 800-288-GURU. 
and yet another successful year of sponsorship and partnership with the folks over at the Barbecue Guru. Thanks to Bob Trudnack and the gang out there in Warminster, Pennsylvania. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less concept, how it's going to look, how you can take part in it. John Solberg coming up on a break. Stick around. Be right back. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James and Barbecue Talk. Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Stephen Reichland for joining me last segment. This portion of the Barbecue Central show is brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all of your pellet-driven cookers. You can visit cookandpellets.com for more information or to purchase. You can also download their app. When you download the app, you can, of course, get alerted to great shipping deals. Yeah, come on now. Everybody loves a great shipping deal. Again, the website cookandpellets.com or some website called amazon.com if uh, you're so interested in doing that. All right. My next guest this evening, you can find him here on this show from time to time. He's rehabbing old grills that he gets his hands on. He's making his own charcoal. But tonight we're talking about the most important thing that's happened in the show in probably 12 years. The executive producer of something called the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. John Solberg joining me here on the show. Hey, John. Good evening, sir. How are you, buddy? I am fantastic. Just digging out from a little dusting of snow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, same here in Cleveland. I thought it was going to be a, a little bit more of a harrowing drive here this evening. But uh, luckily, having so many years underneath my bed, it's all practice, right? Uh, it seems a little ominous. And for the folks that have never experienced it, obviously, more death to find. But for me, you get one underneath the belt, and you're like, okay, yeah, I remember what this is like. Here we go. Yeah, we live here. We can do this. That's right. So I am – hold on. I'm going to edit this out. Can you say something real quick? Sure. One, two, three, four, five, six. All right. Cool. So I wanted to have you on this evening because behind the scenes, and although we have teased it quite a bit, there's this thing that has been bouncing around in my head for probably the last year or two, and after I've had now, oh, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years of a live show, you start to build a little bit of an archive, and you get kind of forgetful on really good things that might have happened, or maybe it wasn't earth-shattering, but it was just a really good conversation, and I wanted to do this kind of best of, originally the concept came from the Howard Stern Show, and they were picking pieces of interviews or whatever, 10 minutes or less, it was just kind of a wet your whistle type of thing. And then they told you when it was, and I guess if you have access to all his archives, you can go back and listen to the show. And I thought, hey, what a great concept. I got enough archives now. How can I possibly do this with having three daughters, two are heavily involved in sport, but I have a great concept. I had some production work done. 
And I reached out to you and I said, hey, John, what do you think about this idea, this concept? And is it something that we could kind of work together on? And once we agree, you would kind of take the reins and bring it down some type of a production path. So I guess I want your thoughts first when I approach you and say, hey, here's an idea. What are you thinking from a concept? And do you think it's something that is going to be bringing value to the loyal Centralite listening audience? Well, my first thoughts of it, once I understood the concept of 10 minutes or less, not necessarily being a 10 minute show, which took me a minute, I say, yes, it does. I think it does bring a lot of value. I've always felt that I've learned more from the Barbecue Central show about barbecue and grilling probably than any other outlet, honestly. Um, but it's one of those things you have to go listen for it. There's every, all the people you speak to have these little tidbits and every time I listen to a show, I get something out of it. So for me, I was like, this is a great opportunity to go try to find those little snippets of knowledge and uh, spread it forward. And also there's a lot of shows I haven't heard. So it forces me into even a, a greater learning curve. John Solberg joining me here on the show. Uh, should, should we say executive producer of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less? Is that fair to say? Well, technically speaking, you are the executive producer. Um, of the original uh, content, but you're putting these shows together. You're producing these shows. The, yeah, that's true. I'm definitely the producer. I will still call you the executive producer. <laughs> you are the financier and the overall director. So that means uh, I'm definitely your producer. All right. So from how you understand it, uh, what are we going to be doing with this show? How is it going to be released? How are you putting it together? And uh, when are we going to be starting to release? Well, the show format is two segments of one of your shows. It condensed down to 10 minutes or less. Some of those two segments may be the same guest. You have some pretty good guests. And in the early days, you had some really long interviews. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of information in there. So you might have a double header, which is, uh, we'll say example, Melissa cooks in both segments. Uh, you may have two separate segments and basically that's it. It's an intro. Go right into the first segment, just a short break in between second segment, and then we get out and that's it. Um, hopefully we're launching this the first week in January at the date of you choose. And from that point on, we'll run the, the show weekly and see what kind of reaction we get. So let's have a open conversation here as far as release states are concerned for this thing. Obviously the live show happens every Tuesday that's released in podcast form. If you don't get it live around 11.55 the same night. So most people are getting that on Wednesday or Thursday. Do you have a, an idea? I've been thinking maybe a Friday release. What are your thoughts on what's going to impact the audience the most and kind of give them that extra barbecue central show nugget to get them over the hump for a Tuesday live show? Hey, I'm great with a Friday release. You know, a lot of people may not pick it up right away, but I think it's yet to be seen. So Friday's a good time, a drive home. It's a short show. Uh, give you a little fix before you go into your weekend of barbecue. Maybe you find a little inspiration in it for the weekend. How is it going to set up once it hits the feed? What other information are you going to be able to get? Not from an audible standpoint, obviously that's going to speak for itself, but will we have show notes? Will we have links to go back if we've uh, maybe – inspired somebody by this 10 minutes or less segment, they're like, hey, you know what? I got to go back and re-listen to that whole thing. All that stuff is going to be in there? 
yeah, some just some brief show notes, uh, who the guest is, maybe a slight description, a link back to that particular show in the archive, some contact information for me, should someone have a suggestion or want to reach out for some reason, obviously your contact information as well. And that's it. A short, sweet little show note. So what has been the biggest or not just the biggest hurdle, but the biggest hurdles for you as you started to put this together? Because we've been kind of working together hand in hand. Uh, I'm more of a reference standpoint, uh, not necessarily down into the uh, trenches like you've been doing, putting these shows together. But what have you been finding most difficult to do and what have you been finding that you've been getting the most enjoyment out of? Uh, start with the difficult part. Uh, <laughs> one of the most difficult parts is you find some really good stuff, but some of the early days of your show, the, the audio is a bit of a challenge at times to deal with from a production standpoint. How do you mean? And, uh, uh you know, you might not have a good quality audio. Um, back in i'll say usb headsets were invented <laughs> you had some some guess that some of the audio is it's just it's usable and trying to make it more usable um some of the audio can be a little annoying from the early days um and i like to spend a lot of time trying to improve that the best that i can i think that's the only real challenge to it uh the challenge is also trying to find the little nuggets to take 30 minutes or 40 minutes or sometimes even an hour mm -hmm. and decide what is the 10 minutes to pull out of it. Cause ultimately it's all pretty good stuff. The, uh, the enjoyable, oh, go ahead. I was going to say there was a definitive point in time where we had the pretty structured first hour. And then when I started to branch out into that extra time, we called it the after dark segment for a, a number of times. And then I just said, Hey, just screw it. We're going to go ahead and blow out to a whole second hour. And then, Brought the first hour structure into the second hour, and that's kind of how the show has been going for the last handful of years. But I can understand that when you got into an After Dark segment, like with a, a Joey Chestnut, a competitive hot dog eater, I think we probably went for the better part of 40, 45 minutes. And there was such great information. It was such a fun conversation to have to be able to pull 10 minutes out of that. I would imagine that's kind of a crappy thing for me to ask you to do. <laughs> well, not really. It's just that. That's why there's some double headers. That's why there's instances where a guest warrants um, both of those 10 minute segments. And that could just be my opinion. And hopefully we'll get some feedback as whether that's the right direction or not. But, but it is difficult to, uh, when you have, uh, when you have 40 minutes of gold, how do you find 10 minutes of platinum in there? What do you like best about doing it? We've talked about what you find hard. What's, what's good. Well, as I mentioned earlier, it comes back to, I've learned a lot from the Barbecue Central show. And this is kind of like my, a continuing education for me. I'm listening to things I haven't listened to going back to the, the old days. Um, and I'm getting it. I'm learning something. Every time I edit a show, you know, I have to listen to it. I have to listen to the, I have to listen to the entire 30 minute segment. So I'm getting new information, learning stuff every day that I sit down at the desk. Are there things that you can point to that maybe happened in 2012 or 13 or 14 or 10 or whatever that you say, wow, I can't believe that there's this much age on this interview and by and large, this still holds true today or, you know, holding a few things aside, this is kind of something that's still going on by and large in 2017. 
That's very true. In a lot of instances, um, a lot of the conversations haven't changed. Uh, a lot of the uh, right side, left side of things haven't changed. Um, there's a lot that has not changed. And the same token, there's a lot that has changed. And trying to track back and find those moments of evolution, I'll call them. It's like, when did Wagyu come on the scene? You know, when did Greg start the horse meat conversation? Trying to wind that thread back through some of these things. So there is a lot of similarities and equally there are a lot of differences. All right. So you had mentioned that uh, there is going to be contact information for you. Obviously, if you feel the need to reach out to me, it's the same email, Greg, at the BBQ Central Show.com. But if you want to get in touch with John, since he's kind of the brains behind this whole thing and he's actually cobbling these uh, great masterpieces together. What's your email address, John, that people can get a hold of you to give you suggestions for somebody that says, hey, I kind of remember this, or on this date, I remember something good happened. How do they get at you? It's a John without an H. So that's J-O-N mm -hmm. at the BBQ Central Show com. Hey, I know that email address. All right. So very, very easy. It's uh, Greg or John, J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. And obviously, uh, you would be – so the folks don't know this, but, I mean, you have really put together quite a arsenal of what we call in-the-can episodes. We have uh, probably, is it 10 or more launch episodes, so we're good for, you know, at least the mid-March or so, maybe uh, even through March at this point. And then you have uh, quite a, an extensive backlog of other episodes that we're going to start rifling off here as well. Do you have a idea of how many you kind of want to keep in that buffer barrel? Not really. Um, I think I'm kind of there. I mean, uh, I think obviously an obvious from a business standpoint is like, what's the reception going to be? I mean, uh, are we going to make 52 shows and let, let's see how it rolls out. But I think if we stay in that 15 to 20 range ahead, we'll be good because, you know, life happens to everybody. So... Uh, that way we'll always be good and we'll continue to improve as things go along and things evolve and that'll give us an opportunity to change and adjust. Are you a guy that has been in front of the microphone for an extensive period of time or just something you're learning on the fly like I did? Um, you know, I took a run at podcasting several years ago and uh, did some podcasting, got involved in some home studio type forums. I learned a little bit about it, always interested in it. But I definitely don't have the chops in front of the microphone like you do. Uh, but uh, but can can fumble my way around in it and hopefully make things sound fairly well. Again, if you have an idea or you know a specific date, maybe John's already covered it, and obviously he's keeping a log of things that he's already tracked down. So if you get at him and you give him something he's already done, he's probably going to write you back and say, hey, just keep the shorts on. We're going to get to that here over the next handful of weeks or so, but uh, otherwise he's uh, open for suggestions. I am open for suggestions. And I think at this point, you know, we're probably going to be looking into that Thursday or Friday range, uh, give somebody some stuff to chew on, as you said, John, to, to get you into that weekend, get you through that weekend before another live show hits on Tuesday. And then if you really find something that, as I said, as inspires you, you're able to pick it up over the course of that weekend and go back, listen to the whole show. Obviously, from a show standpoint, John, this could potentially generate all new kinds of downloads for past episodes that maybe haven't seen the light of day for years, right? 
Well, that's that's my hope ultimately. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, to be honest, I haven't spoke to you offline about this, but I would like to see this be so successful that we can convince you to dig out those 12 or 13 never seen the light of day episodes and let no me way. have those no way. for really special occasions you really think you would be able to pull 10 minutes out of that crap i mean you would be a magician if you could do that i'm up for the challenge and uh you know i'm up for the challenge we might have to uh, i might have to generate an nda so you can at least listen to them and then you can call me back and say wow you were really right to hide those first six or 12 podcasts because not only do they sound bad they're bad i mean we all start I'll somewhere send you an right? nda <laughs> i'm gonna send you an nda in the morning <laughs> all right well fair enough i mean you know uh, i got one ready to, i mean i got them in the can i'll just right. re, i'll say i'll get you one well you 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 may lose some monicum of respect when you hear how the show originally started maybe not i mean who knows so um but here's the bottom line it's John Solberg. He's hosting the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Again, this is a concept that I borrow from Howard Stern, who had done it a couple of years ago. I don't think he even still does it, but I was so impressed with getting some of that quick hitting, really good parts of a conversation and then going back and going, hey, I remember that. Or I remember when I first heard that on podcast and uh, John is really making this come to life. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it's going to run. John, from a cooking standpoint, I don't mean to segue out too quick here. Do you have anything new? Uh, you love to tinker. You love to rehab. What are you playing with these days? Uh, well, right now I'm, I've, you know, I'm kind of new to the Green Mountain Grill family. So I'm doing a lot of testing in this cold, windy stuff just to, mm -hmm. to get that dialed in. I know that sounds kind of simple, but um, just making sure that's dialed in and I'm really getting into the rotisserie thing. So I just picked up a 18 and a half inch rotisserie to put on a Jumbo Joe and play with that some more. So just kind of tweaking those couple things right now. That's what's kind of keeping my mind busy. Steven Reichlin was just on before you, John, and he said his favorite way to do prime rib, and maybe you heard the uh, conversation that we were talking before this. His favorite way to cook prime rib is on the rotisserie. Have you ever done that? You know, I haven't done a prime rib, but uh, inspired by Derek Riches's, excuse me, Derek Riches's book. That didn't sound right. Anyway, you know who Derek? Yeah, Derek Riches. Um, he's he he did a rotisserie book where he did baby back ribs, pulled pork. He's pork on a rotisserie, and I have done a lot of things on a rotisserie, but I've yet to do a prime rib. But tis the season. I might have to give it a go. Absolutely, uh, we're talking with John Solberg. He is going to be hosting a brand new edition of the Barbecue Central Show feed, uh, which will probably be Thursday or Friday. We'll let you know here on the show uh, before the end of the year. But, I mean, we agree it's either Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm good with the Thursday. Thursday? All right. Yeah, well, let's just say Thursday. And uh, if it changes, I'll let you know. But right now, as we sit here on, oh, on this Tuesday... We're committing to every Thursday at the turn of the year a brand new edition of the Barbecue Central Show in 10, the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. And uh, we're talking with that show host, John Solberg. John, really appreciate the time this evening. Obviously, all the work that you've been putting in to get this new edition and supplement into the feed. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Have a great evening. You got it. There he is John Solberg. 
the host of the brand new best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. You're going to love the concept. You're going to love hearing some of the great old-timey interviews. Maybe some of them aren't going to be old. Maybe a best moment was last year. We'll find out sooner or later. Actually, sooner than later. I'm going to talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. They manufacture smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard or you're on the competition circuit or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, Smoking and Grilling 101s in a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Morin. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Now, on the other side of that, Cook Shack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. You can call 800-423-0698. That's 800 800- 423-0698 or visit their website, cookshack.com. All right, thanks again to John Solberg. And we will wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back at it. Once again, thanks to John Solberg for coming on last segment. He will be your host for the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. I'm wondering if anybody has noticed, if you think, well, I'm wondering if anybody noticed that the lighting is different. Would you say the lighting looks better, worse? Any suggestions? I did something after talking with my man, John Dawson, extensively through emails, um, and I kind of was inspired with my own ideas of what I could do with my existing light boxes. Toned it down a little bit. Personally, I, I have some like shoulder highlighting. That's kind of a uh, non-intended effect that doesn't look terrible, but I was more worried about getting washed out in the face, and I think we might have captured that in a way that's a little bit better. Anyway, look for the first Thursday in January to be the release the debut of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less brought to you by John Solberg and the good folks here at the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we're going to uh, step away, reload for the second hour. Going to refill my water. I might make a change of clothes. You never know. So stick around. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. We'll be right back. 
happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for a wiener. Hello, Celebrity. It's Chuck Face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach to eat. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Hello. Congratulations, friends and neighbors. You have found the Barbecue Central Show. This is a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. This show is live. We do it live each and every Tuesday. We'll do it live. That's right. We'll do it live. Do it live. I write it. I can, I'll write it and we we'll do, it, do live. it live. That's right. All thoughts my own. Unless I'm copy. I never want to do that. But if it's funny, I'll copy somebody's stuff. I don't care. So this show is live, not this one, but this show is live from 9 to 11. So if you ever find yourself on a Tuesday and you have nothing better to do, you can come over to thebbqcentralshow.com for the audio stream. There's also a Facebook Live button to click on. And Tuesdays between 9 and 11, this show happens live on Facebook. It'll also get up on YouTube at some point as well, sooner than later. And you will have the opportunity to take in the show. I think a lot of people still don't grasp the concept that when they're hearing this show on a Wednesday or a Thursday or Friday because they subscribe to it in podcast form, that it is only just that. This isn't a show that is strung together over the course of a week or so or that I have multiple number of these in the can and I just release them at some point late Tuesday evening. That's not the case. This is a live show. It's happening however you hear it, whenever you hear it, is exactly how it went down with a live studio audience. Now, of course, people aren't jammed up in my studio, but as close as you can get to what some would consider to be a real radio, that's what this show is. Not So in, in a podcast form, it is because I'm merely recording the live show, and I have a podcast feed, which I upload it to, but... If you start to define what is a podcast, uh, it's not your traditional sense. We're not just recording it and then going back and editing it, making sure it sounds awesome, and then uploading it. This is a live show, just in case you had any questions. Uh, thanks again to my first-hour guest, Stephen Reichlin, and I'm remiss in the fact that we were talking about Goose, and I wanted to ask him about Suckling Pig. I've become very adept at figuring out, and I believe it's one-sided, that Meathead Goldwyn, I don't want to say he has an axe to grind with Stephen Reichlin, but I think there are a lot of divergent viewpoints, which I certainly appreciate because I don't agree with most people when it comes to most things. But there is a divergent mindset on how to cook steak or what temperature to bring things to or caveman cooking, for instance. I know that's a big point of contention between, uh, not between the two, but Meathead has a completely different view of caveman cooking than Stephen Reichlin does. Stephen, a big proponent, likes to caveman everything. He just talked about it in the first hour. Caveman everything. That was one of his big trends of 2017. 
Meathead says, don't do that. Why would you do that? Don't I just put myself in a... Yeah. Got to watch my hands in the lighting there. I put myself in a shadow. Meathead says, why would you do that? Don't, don't do that. And here's why you don't do that. So as I've come to talk more and more to Meathead and more and more to Stephen Reichlin, I realize that there are... I hate to be jumping on topics here, but it might be a great idea to put them together and have point-counterpoint and see how well that runs or see who becomes most offended first and then decides they're just going to hang up the line and call it a day. I mean, I would hate to have that happen, but it might be really good live internet show material. So I might have to jot that idea down, actually, as I'm listening to the show back live or uh, listening to it back on the podcast after we do it live because I always love to go back and listen to myself and hear how stupid I sound so I can try and work better and sound better and give a better quality product. Also, just as a reminder, John Solberg was just my past segments guest. You can look for a launch episode of the best of the Barbecue Central show in ten, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Is that right? So I, I had a guy cut an intro song. I have some talk over music for John. He's putting it all together. As we had talked about in the segment last hour, he's got roughly 15 launch shows. So we're well into that three month time frame of buffer. And then there's at least another 10 or 15 shows that he already has worked up that are just kind of like general population at this point that once those launch shows get going, we'll be able to start mixing these in and then we'll just start backfilling. So, You'll get one a week. We've decided that it's going to be on a Thursday, and we will launch it on a Thursday, the very first Thursday of January. So we're going to be looking forward to your reaction, your feedback, what do you like, what don't you like, and most importantly, what are you suggesting? Do you have a favorite moment of the Barbecue Central show that you would like to hear again? Do you have a favorite date of a show, a favorite guest? We'll do Whatever we can to kind of go back and locate that to the best of our ability. Certainly, I have access to all of the archives, but my plea to you would be this. Be as specific as possible. If you have a year or a date or a guest, make sure that you give us all of the possible information that you can get so John can dig back into those archives and pull the show out of that. Again, his email address through this show is John J O N at thebbqcentralshow.com. So if you have an idea right now, even before this new show launches, you can go ahead and shoot him an email and he can get to work on that. Maybe he even gives you a heads up on when that might, or at least if he has the show together, then we can give you a heads up on when it actually might launch into the feed. So again, this isn't going to be a separate podcast feed show. As long as you are subscribed to the Barbecue Central show, this is adding value. I think that's what we call it in the sales game here. Every Thursday, you will just have a new entry into the feed. So you don't have to do anything else except get up Thursday, look at your phone or your tablet or whatever device and however you get podcasts. And you could subscribe to this show, even through email. If you go to thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe, you have all of the ways that you can possibly get the show through podcasts right there at your fingertips. Choose what's best for you. And then every Thursday, you will awake to a brand new, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. So we're very excited about that. Still to come on this show this evening, as I had mentioned in the very top of the show, we have Jason Cole from Smoking Coles. He's making a run for the KCBS Board of Directors. 
So we'll get some background on him and then, more importantly, the platform that he is uh, looking to run on. And he's asking for your consideration and then to help close out the show, the Lee Monster, as I've heard him refer to himself, David Lee, the Clear Channel National Voice guy, voice of Westwood One, Fox Sports One, Dial Global, all that stuff. And we'll talk to him about his voice and if it's real and what it's like growing up in the radio days, back in the heyday of radio. Do you remember when radio was a heyday? Now everybody's like streaming everything. Does anybody even listen to the radio? I listen to Sirius Satellite Radio because there's like limited commercials on the music channels. But most importantly, I listen for Howard Stern. Duh. So I'm very excited. Plus, I mean, to me, as a guy who fancies himself, I don't fancy myself. But I could see where I might have had a passion for getting into radio back when I was in college. You know, the problem is I didn't realize I had a passion for radio back in college. Otherwise, I would have worked at WBCRN or whatever that cable radio station was at Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. Or Power 105 in the Valley, ladies and gentlemen. But I didn't realize until much later, and it's not even really a radio thing. I just, I just like, for some reason, I got fascinated with barbecue, and it, it's like a natural channel here. So I think some of the best podcasters out there have had some type of radio or media work or TV work. So they have the ability to cobble together the English language. As I've always said, there's nothing worse than putting on a podcast and having your host not being able to talk with inflection, with passion, with excitement bringing across a thought that even if you don't agree with it, they're keeping your attention. They're talking with some type of an excitement. The worst podcasts are the ones where they can't cobble together any coherent thought. And they're talking like this. And they really have no passion about everything. Imagine if the Barbecue Central show was me talking like this for two hours, interviewing some of the biggest names in the barbecue and grilling industry. How exciting that would be. I don't know if anybody really thinks about that and what it takes to make sure that your attention is gathered through those 120 minutes. And I do read the reviews, by the way, all the one-star reviews that you leave on iTunes saying that I'm a shill and it's a 120-minute uh, infomercial. And I, give me a break. Two minutes and 45 seconds, six times a show, According to my math, is about 13 minutes or so of commercial out of 120 minutes. I mean, come on, do your math. Don't be jealous because I'm making that money. Don't be jealous. You tell them, Austin Carr, get that wee stuff out of here. And now just to piss you people off that don't like it, I'm going to talk to you about Butcher's Barbecue. That's right. Winter season is officially here. But grilling season is open all year around, so you need to go to Butcher Barbecue to get all of the grilling seasonings, barbecue seasonings, injections, rubs, sauces. This is a one-stop shop as well. Of course, we all know that Butcher's carries a great selection of barbecue products. The portfolio of grilling items, though, continues to expand as well. I've talked long and hard about grilling oils. It's a product that I am most passionate about. If you haven't tried them yet, I am urging you with every fiber of my being, head on over to ButcherBBQ.com this very instant and order up six bottles of grilling oil and then watch your life transform for the better. Now, what do I mean by that? 
So you have a butter flavor, which is my favorite. You also have a chipotle flavor. You also have a steakhouse flavor. What's unique about grilling oil, and you hear me talk about it each and every week, these are shelf-stable products. So once you open it, it doesn't now have to live in the refrigerator in order to remain safe. No, no. You just keep it right out there by the stove or take it with you outside, depending on where you live. If I take it outside with me now, there's a good chance it might freeze. But take it with you. It doesn't have to live in the refrigerator in order to remain safe. It can just be at your hip. You will find that when it's out there and you can see it, you'll start testing it out on everything. Instead of melting some butter to do scrambled eggs or make whatever you're going to be making on the stove, use some grilling oil instead. Great butter flavor. Great alternative. If you're going to use it on ribs, instead of using the parquet blue butter squeeze stuff, you can use butter-flavored grilling oil in its place. Not going to taint, uh, change that texture of the meat like a lot of people talk about that use parquet. It's just a fabulous product. And again, I'm very passionate about it. I want you to try it. And then I want you to tell me if I'm overhyping it or not. Because I buy it by like the 12 bottle count. And I buy it, by the way. Lastly, dealers wanted. If you're currently a owner of a barbecue and grilling supply store and you don't carry the Butcher Barbecue lineup, what are you waiting for? Hit up ButcherBBQ.com, request information on how to become a dealer for them today. Not only will Dave thank you, but your customers will reap the rewards by getting these fine products in their hands to try for themselves. The product's extensively tested both in the backyard and on the competition circuit, so you know they are going to deliver on the goods. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com right now and check out all the products. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We are back with Jason Cole from Smoke and Coles talking about his run for the KCBS Board of Directors. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue Bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you are looking for a big cooker to house a lot of food, they got one for you. Something medium size, they got you covered there too. Also, small enough to take on tailgates, they supply pellets to fire those cookers. And again, don't forget, holiday season just around the corner. The pizza insert is one that you're going to want to be looking for as well. Makes great high-heat pizzas, ultra-fun to use, and very inexpensive. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, it's been a little while since we've done this kind of an interview, but I always have been open to it when the interest is there. My first guest in the second hour is a competitive barbecue cook and heads up the team smoking coals. He's also tossing in his hat for the KCBS Board of Directors run that will be happening here in just a few short weeks. Here to talk about why you should consider him as a first-timer to the show. So we race to the hotline and welcome in Jason Cole to the show. Jason, how are you, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous. Jason, appreciate you making time for the show this evening. And before we get into all that KCBS stuff and why you're deciding to put your hat in the ring for the board of directors, 
Uh, let's learn a little bit about you, uh, your competitive background, maybe your culinary background in general, where you live, all that good stuff. Sure. So um, I live in uh, right outside Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, I started doing competitions in 2003. Uh, but at the time, I lived in a town outside of Nashville called Lebanon, and they had a, a contest there. It's called Amazing Blazing. And my brother and I entered the contest, and unfortunately, he couldn't make it. So my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she decided to join me. And uh, we had an amazing time, and the, the goal was not to come in last. So uh, we didn't come in last, had a great time, and we did that contest uh, every year until it, it quit. Uh, they quit doing it in 2009, I think it was. And um, after that, we just uh, – my father-in-law joined the team, and uh, we've been on the road and mostly in the southeast. And we do about you know, 12 to 15 contests a year. Uh, but what, what got me interested in barbecue was I was, at the time, I was working for a food company. And, uh, you know, I'd sold the restaurants and sold a lot of barbecue restaurants. And uh, just really intrigued me and thought this is something I could do and thought I'd give it a shot. Jason, does it take a special kind of lady and girlfriend at the time to find a barbecue competition interesting? Was she competitive by nature, or was it something that just struck her fancy and she was kind of hook, line, and sinker right off the bat? Uh, she was there just to really support me. Um, I mean, we had a great time. We met a lot of great people. Um, but, uh, you know, she she stopped coming with me to competitions in probably 2009, 2010. Uh, it's just a lot of work, and... Uh, she couldn't handle all the mess, to be quite frank. So uh, my father-in-law came on board, and uh, she still comes to competitions, uh, not to help um, clean or or cook, but she comes to the awards and uh, supports me and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, just, she just wanted to be there to support me in this crazy habit that I picked up. So are you technically the pit master of the team and your father-in-law is there to help be that right hand, maybe run meat or whatever, or is he really active and – getting the flavor profiles down and helping with the whole cooking process at a contest. He helps with the process. Um, he, you know, he helps uh, run boxes. He has, he's a, he's a judge as well. And uh, so he has a real good, uh, a palate for, you know, what's good, what's bad, what's not good. So he's as much involved as I am. Um, but I, you know, I do all the, this, the seasoning, the trimming and all that kind of stuff, but uh, he's very much involved and, uh, it's been a real blessing to have him uh, on the team with me and come, you know, traveling across the southeast just cooking some barbecue. Are you a judge as well, Jason? I am. I, I got uh, certified as a judge. I think it was 2006, and uh, you know, I've judged several contests over the years. Uh, quite frankly, I, I'd rather cook than judge, but it's always great to go judge a contest and see what people are doing. Um, to you know, so you can kind of base on what you're doing and what people are turning in see how they they make their boxes it's it's really helpful to judge occasionally um but i you know i'd rather cook than judge but it's all obviously helpful to judge do you find yourself at a weird dichotomy at events when you've run your food maybe you, like a lot of teams will run that food then they wait 10 minutes or so until they think the judge is tasting their food so they can kind of do a side-by-side -side comparison since you are a certified barbecue judge because I'm sure there's a, a decent amount of teams who are not certified barbecue judges. They're just cooks. Do you find yourself uh, struggling with, hey, I'm the pit master and this food is really good, and then the other half of you is, hey, I'm a certified barbecue judge and I'm here to tell you that maybe you missed the marks here on this point? Or do you know that that's happening while the cook is going down? 
you know, I, I'm, I'm the hardest person on myself when it comes to uh, uh, what I turn in. So uh, most of the time when I turn it in, um, you know, I think it's good, but mostly I don't think it's great. Uh, but I do, like for chicken, I'll set a piece aside and wait a few minutes, wait five to ten minutes before I eat it, just just so I know what the judges are getting. Same thing with ribs. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's I'm the hardest critic on myself. And I think most barbecue teams are harder on themselves than the judges are. Um, but I would encourage any team out there that's not certified to be a judge uh, it, that was one of the most helpful things that that was for me was to go and get certified and then go judge a few contests and see what people were turning in and see the flavor profiles they were using. That really helped me, um, you know, to progress. Like, okay, well, I need I don't need to be so hot or so sweet or so savory. I need to be I need to hone in on this. So that really helped. So I would encourage any team that's not a certified judge to take the class and you know send an email to an organizer and try to get in and and uh, judge some. Jason, do you think that at this point of competition barbecue, the flavor profiles are pretty vast and wide sweeping, or do you find that in the southeast portion of the country it is one way, and if you're not hitting those flavor profiles, you're not going to do as well as you would if you were in the Midwest or if you were out west or in the northeast or whatever? Well, in the southeast, I think that, uh, you know, like, well, let me back up. I, I travel into the oil, and I've been, you know, I go to, uh, Kentucky and Georgia and Alabama, and that's kind of the the, the circuit that I run in. Um, I don't change my, my my recipes based on where I'm at because uh, most of the judges that come into those contests are not from, say, you know, that small town or that big town. They come from all over as well. So, um, you know, a long time ago, I, I had this theory that if I were to go to cook in Georgia or cook out west, I need to change my my flavor profile. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think if you just cook it well, um, you hit your marks, you make sure it's cooked perfectly, uh, you know, that's that's the majority of the battle. Uh, you know, obviously, you don't want to make it too sweet or too spicy. You want to have a, a good balance of flavors. But uh, I don't I, – I, a lot of teams that travel across the country, I think they stick with the same flavor profile. So um, I hope that answers the question. Jason Cole joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Hot Coals. All right, Jason, so let's talk about the Kansas City Barbecue Society's Board of Directors and specifically uh, why this year you are inspired to throw your hat in the ring for consideration. Well, I, I organized a contest as well in Nashville it's, uh, called Smoke on the Shores, and the gentleman that I, I organized it with, um, you know, we got to talking and, you know, was, you know, why not? Why shouldn't I, I at least throw my hat in the ring and see what happens? You know, I have... I'm a cook, I'm a judge, and I'm an organizer. I think I bring a, a different perspective than some people who are just cooks or just judges or just organizers. Um, so you know, I'm anxious. I'm, I would like to you know, try to do what I can to get back to the sport, and hopefully I get elected. So usually, or not usually, but it's safe to say that you like competition barbecue, you want to see it do well, you want to see it grow over the next handful of years, all that good stuff. But – there has to be a few reasons why you think you getting in there specifically is going to help. So what are some of those platform or real pinpoint items that you would like to see addressed if you're elected in during your time? You know, I think that uh, if you read back over the bullshit past couple of years and people give their answers, a lot of the answers are the same. You know, a lot of people talk about the judging system. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I do think there's, there's some issues with judging. 
um, you, you hear judges say, well, they didn't have burn ins in the box. They, you know, that's automatically an eight in appearance or, um, there was no money muscle and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, I think that there's some standards that, uh, have changed over the year. When I was certified as a judge, I'm sure that class is different than people who are getting certified today. So I would love to see, um, the judging standard. So regardless if you're judging a backyard event or you're judging a pro event or you're judging the SAMs or the Jack or whatever it may be, that the same standards are used. And, and unfortunately, I think that different judges have been taught different things. And I would love to see that change. Um, you know, I, I do like what they're doing with the, the seating arrangement now where they're using their, their stats to seat them by table to average them out. I think that's great. Um, but I would like to see, you know, if, time will tell how that will work out. But so far, I think what they've come back with as far as beta testing has done really well. So I'm excited about that. But as far as the, the judging, I think there's there should be a, a standard that judges are work on, uh, work off of. And, you know, whether, you know, they have to go do a, a class online every, you know, year or two to get recertified or, you know, something to – to uh, make it the standards across the board better because that's what I hear as a cook when I'm at a contest is the table of death or the table of angels or you know they, they like legs or like they like thighs or whatever it may be um, so I, I, w I would hope that I could bring some shed some light on that and maybe push that agenda a little further from a standards perspective in your estimation, how do you put together something that everybody can get behind? I mean, obviously, if you're telling me that when you were going through the judging class, it's probably different than what's happening now. To me, that kind of signifies an issue. If you're looking for consistency when you went through it, it should be the same as how people today are going through it. So there could be a discrepancy, uh, a discrepancy lying there. But everybody's human, right? So ultimately, it's coming down to personal bias personal preference on taste, all that stuff. Do you think right. there's any argument at all for throwing away whatever these standards are at KCBS and moving towards more of a, let's call it IBCA or man off the street where you get people in, there's going to be no problem hurting a number of judges or however many you need them, depending on how big the contest is. And then everybody gets to pick whatever their favorite barbecue is without having to figure out how does it look in the box or there's no burnt ends or this or that, they're going to taste it and whatever one they think tastes good, whatever that means to them, that's how it's going to be judged that day. Well, you, you know, and I know that competition barbecue is a little different than say the, comp, the barbecue you go down and get at a restaurant. Sure. So if, you know, you just grab some people off the street and I, I've been to contests, I've competed in contests before where they're, they're short on judges and they just grab people, you know, quote unquote celebrity judges. Um, you know, they don't know what a, a, a good rib is, what's cooked right, what's not cooked right. You know, most people want ribs that fall off the bone. Uh, and, and, you know, in the competition world, that's overcooked, mm -hmm. but that's what most people want. So uh, I do think there needs to be uh, some standards. There needs to be still be a class, still be certified. But what I would like to see is uh, all the judges are working off the same playbook. So, you know, uh, when the box opens up, when you're judging the box, you know, you're not starting with a six or this person starting with a nine. Everyone should know exactly we're all on the same level playing field. And, you know, right now there are judges in our system that judge a lot, but they haven't, they got certified back in, you know, the 80s or the 90s or early 2000s and they, they've judged a lot, but they've never gone back to the class. 
So maybe, you know, if they were to go back to the class or take a refresher course, that would that would be helpful. So they're, you know, they're on their game to give their best that day when they judge, just like all the cooks are, because we spend time and money and uh, our resources to make sure that we present the best possible thing to them. And, and I would love to see a day where, you know, the judges spend some extra time, uh, you know, crafting their, their palates for barbecue. Obviously, judging is always going to be a hot topic until that gets addressed to whatever satisfaction that's going to be, and that could just be a, in a, a topic that rages on forever and ever. Amen. Well, I'm sure it will be. What yeah. are some of the yeah. other items that you're looking to implement or that you would like to tweak if you get it? You know, so I started a contest a few years ago, um, and I, I had a I had a leg up because I, I had cooks for so long, and uh, I knew a lot of people. But, you know, if you're a new organizer coming into this, uh, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of help on the KCBS side for new organizers, and consequently, you see a lot of new contests that fail, or you see a lot of contests that are new they don't pay they don't pay out. Sure. Um, so I would love to see some some help from the KCBS, um, you know, with people that want to start a contest. Uh, I know they have a manual, but uh, you know, the manual is not all that great. Uh, I'd like to see some help from KCBS and more backing for. You know those those first year contests that don't pay out. There needs to be a little more uh, accountability for that, uh, not only from the organizer side, but the KCBS needs to be involved with that as well. So uh, I would love to see that happen. Now, whether it does or not, I know that's going to be a hot topic as well. But I'd love to see something move forward with that. There has been shown competition gains over the course of this year. However, if you go and look, a lot of that advancement in gains has been on the international side. You've seen. A lot of competitions here in the States go by the wayside. Do you have any thoughts on right. how you can keep the good ones, the tenured ones, even these little ones that you're talking about, and grow within the borders here of uh, these great United States? As an organizer, it is uh, it is extremely hard to get sponsorships for to, to sponsor a barbecue competition, and that's only going to get tougher as marketing dollars dwindle. Um you know, everyone nowadays that come to a competition, they want 50-amp power, 30-amp power, you know, water and sewer and all these great things, but not all these competitions can offer that. So, and then, and then you know, the pots are getting larger and larger and larger. So I, w I don't know how you uh, control that or how do you help that, but uh, I think a lot of these tenured contests that have been around for, you know, 25, 30 years, they're going away because they just can't get sponsorship dollars. So, um, and, or you can't get people to come out to the event because, honestly, a barbecue competition is not really a a, uh, a public event. You know, you can't give out barbecue unless it's tied to a a festival where they're doing a, a people's choice or something like that. But just a standalone barbecue competition, uh, it's it's there's not a lot of foot traffic. So, so is is there a way uh, to fix that? Is there a way to draw in some attention? from whatever that public body is at any given event? Yeah, you know, that's, I guess that's the question for all time, right? Because, uh, you know, at our competition, we try to do a car show. We try, we've tried a couple of different ideas. But, you know, it, it's really hard to get the public involved because most of the public, want, they want free barbecue. They want to come taste the barbecue. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, we're not allowed to give out barbecue uh, just because someone gets sick and things happen. Uh, and so these organizers don't be a hook if someone comes down there and gets sick and then they get sued. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't really have a hard, hard answer for you on that. What's the, what's the, 
the golden key to get the public to come out. But I would like to see somehow get the public more involved in these events so the organizers who put on these events are, are profitable and they can continue to do the contest over and over. Jason Cole joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Hot Coals, talking about his run for KCBS Board of Directors. Jason, you see over the last handful of years, Competition Barbecue was on television. You see it on a lot of these restaurant shows, on cooking channels and so forth. It really right. seemed to take off. Do you think at this point in 2017 leading into 2018, we've seen the maximum growth of Competition Barbecue and now we will be on a downward trend of sorts? I hope not. I really don't. I think that uh, you see a lot of, like on the competition trail, I see a lot, of, a lot of younger teams that are, you know, doing it or just starting. See a lot of new teams, uh, and I think the pitmaster shows and the smoke shows and they've, they've drawn a lot of itch, in, interest into the competition barbecue. So I hope that's not. Um, I don't think we've hit our peak. I think we can still grow the sport. Uh, I think as a as a marketing. Um, the marketing of KCBS has done a really good job so far. I like to see that continue to grow. Uh, and, and I love to see these uh, the barbecue shows continue to do it because it only sparks interest in, you know, what we do and brings people out and to start a team. Jason, when are elections taking place? When can you vote? I think elections start no, January 2nd, and they go through January the 12th. And um, if you're a KCBS member, uh, you should get an email um, telling you to vote. I think you have to be paid in full by the 15th or the 30th of this month. And um, you'll get an email, go online and vote. Do you think if you are competing in a KCBS competition as a competitor, you should be required to be a KCBS member? Because I do. Well, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a tough question because uh, there's some people who do and some people who don't. Uh, the, first, the first time I competed, I was not a KCBS member. Um, and I was not a KCBS member for the first three years. And of course, I only did one competition a year, but by the third year, I finally became a member. There's some advantages to being a member. You know, you get to vote, and obviously in elections, you get some, get to go to Sam's and some other things. Um, but I would love to see the day if you're going to compete in a KCBS competition. Yeah, I think you, it's only $35 to be a member, $40 now to be a member. So, it's, yeah, you get a nice uh, magazine every month and get some discounts and uh, it would be nice, yeah. Jason, of course, you know there is a caveat to getting on the Barbecue Central show for this type of interview. And I hesitate to say if. Usually it's when you get voted into the board of directors here via the show. When I ask for interviews, you can't turn your back on me now and, and hightail it out of here. We have no, to continue no. to ask the hard-hitting questions. Is that a deal? <laughs> That's a deal. All right. That's a deal. Pitmaster of Hot Coals. It's Jason Cole running for the KCBS Board of Director and humbly asking for your vote or at least for consideration for you to vote for him. Jason, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you. You got it. There he is. Jason Cole. Yeah, baby. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. So that is one of what will be, well, I don't know if many is, right, but I know we got another one lined up for next week, the 26th. That will be Brent Richardson. So look for that. Hey, while I have you on the line, head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, their curated selection of only the best cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue in no, result, uh, in no time. 
Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself, from award-winning rubs and sauces to American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to become a better outdoor cook. Whether you're a backyard barbecue fanatic or a competition pro, Big Papa Smokers has something for you. Big Papa's, known for the championship rubs and seasoning, popular flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow are all proven winners on the circuit. And in the backyard, Big Papa's offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. If you're looking to improve the flavor of your competition barbecue recipes, Big Papa Smokers has combined forces with fellow rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what is known as the West Coast Offense. We all know by now the West Coast Offense cornering the market on competitive barbecue, redefining flavor profiles that cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Also the proud owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. Looking for a new go-to sauce that will please everyone? Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor reminds us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. You can find that along with other top-rated sauces at BigPapaSmokers.com. And aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, they also offer a variety of pellet, charcoal, and wood cookers. You're looking for a versatile smoker easy to use? Check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages. If you're not a fan of the pellet smoker, you can go ahead and look at the old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. And if you're a backyard guy like me, you might want to consider the M Grill from Texas. They are built like tanks. If you're not sure what to get, you really can't go wrong with any grill or smoker featured on BigPapaSmokers.com. They have something for every kind of backyard cook and budget. Here's a number to call if you have any questions, 877-828-0727, or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. All right, again, that's Jason Cole running for the KCBS Board of Directors. When we come back, the Lee Monster, Jason, uh, Jason, David Lee will be joining me to wrap the show. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to my previous segment's guest, whoever that was. Remember, we're pre-recording, so I don't have that in the can yet. Anyway, my next guest and helping me close out the show can be heard on radios nationwide. In fact, if you're a football fan, a basketball fan, a baseball fan, a motocross fan, a bull riding fan, you've heard his voice a lot. And maybe you've never thought any more about it after you thought to yourself, man, I wish I had the voice like that guy does. Well, the show is primarily a live fire cooking show. It's not always about barbecue. You hear my next guest lead us back in these, uh, this show from Live Reads. Many of you have asked, who is that guy? So tonight I thought it would be great to answer all of those questions. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. And welcome in for the first time, the really big voice guy for the Barbecue Central show. It is David Lee. David, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing great, brother. 
David. Thanks for having me, Greg. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And it's, I mean, it is such an honor to have you be the official voice for the Barbecue Central show. It really adds uh, quite a dynamic piece of professionalism and legitimacy to an otherwise weirdo internet uh, radio show slash podcast. But is this the first time that you have been asked to be a guest on a live fire cooking show? It is definitely the first time, so I appreciate that first. It's yep. always a first for something. Well, I'm uh, glad I can supply that for you. So did you know, David, that Wisconsin and the surrounding states is actually a hotbed for some of the best competition barbecue teams in the country right now? Well, it doesn't surprise me. I go to a lot of Green Bay Packer games, and the tailgates are going like crazy. It's a big tradition up there at Lambeau Field, so it uh, doesn't surprise me, although I didn't know that. Are you a big sports fan, or because it's a Wisconsin thing, you're kind of innately a Green Bay fan? Yes, I am from Green Bay, and uh, so I have, it's in my blood. I grew up just a few miles from the stadium, so uh, I go to... Probably about three games and hang out in the Westwood One booth from time to time as well. From a live fire cooking perspective, David, are you someone who is in this culture fully? Are you more of a guy that likes to fire up the grill here and there or maybe not even at all? No, I definitely fire up the grill. Um, you know, I'm not uh, as adept as you and your listeners, but uh, can do the basics. I do like to fire up the grill from time to time. We we all do it here in the summertime. David Lee joining me here on the show. You can find his website, by the way, at davidleeproductions.com. Uh, we'll obviously learn a little bit more about him here during the show, but if you're interested in hearing some demos and all that good stuff, hit up the website. All right, David, so let's roll back if we could all the way back to the 1970s where we find a high school age David Lee getting his first sniff of radio at your high school station, no less, which is actually where I saw my first hints of radio. My uh, high school in Bainbridge, Ohio, actually had a radio station that was nestled right inside the walls there. Before you started, did you have a desire to be a jock or be a voice talent? Or perhaps a better question is, when did the signature David Lee pipes kick in? Well, probably um, it, during well seventh, maybe seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I mean, not not like they are now, but uh, the beginnings where I would uh, imitate my favorite disc jockeys back then. AM radio was king, and uh, radio was really the thing back then. And most of the Radio announcers were big stars in various cities, and it was an exciting time if you were into radio back then. And um, so I, I wanted to be like that dude on the radio, like uh, Larry Lujak at uh, WLS or WCFL in Chicago, and uh, CKLW out of Detroit, which you may have been able to pick up. Oh, you're too, too young for that, but they were big in Cleveland back in the 70s. Um, I would listen to them. Anything on the Clear Channel AM back in the early 70s when I was uh, just growing up, and then FM radio and rock and roll back in the uh, later 70s. David, do you find that as you see the progression of radio when you had started it in the 70s and you had said you're trying to imitate some of these guys, you know, back then, was there, did you have to have a signature voice? Did you have to have that? over-the-top ability to not only command the English language in a live sense, but also have some type of an audible hook to keep an interest and, I guess, ultimately keep a job. 
I don't think you you had to necessarily, but uh, if you were going to make it in the bigger cities, you did. You had to either have a you know an over the top personality or a, or a commanding sound that people that sucked people into the music and the, the what was going on at the radio station. Do you think in today's radio era you need to have that hook as well, or has it changed so much that you don't really need to have the commanding? stereotypical radio type voice to be a success no as a matter of fact uh, it's a detriment in some cases they they want a more guy off the street sound um you know i, I still hear it on like classic rock stations and some of the stations geared toward the upper demos but you don't hear it on the younger demo stations i think um you know it's more of a like a just a typical guy next door sound Dave, you start David Lee Productions in the 80s, but you're still doing a lot of on-air type work. Back then, did you need to focus on one or the other? Did having expertise in both arenas make you more valuable to a station? It was definitely more valuable to a station back then. As a matter of fact, you had to be adept at both unless you were just a big star that did the morning show and that was it. You had to be able to produce commercials and recopy and be a what would be a, a voiceover talent in that era which was more of a radio voice but uh you had to be flexible to do the different pages of copy that the salespeople would give you do you hear as you're talking with people about radio or people find out who you are and start to talk to you about radio that the death of the single owned radio stations or maybe uh, an owner that had two or three radio stations with the emergence of bigger conglomerates like the Clear Channel, for instance, have been bad for the industry, or has it been a good thing? Yeah, it's definitely homogenized things. Um, in the playlists, the music playlists are pretty much the same from city to city. Back in the day, you had a lot of a local flavor. Cleveland would have their sound. Detroit would be having Motown. Um, you know, cities like San Antonio and Milwaukee were more blue-collar, heavy metal, hard rock. Uh, back in the 70s, you could go from city to city and you would hear different sounds, whereas now you can travel. If it's, it's different uh, with the, the big companies owning the stations, everything is, is homogenized. In fact, uh, the DJs can voice track, so you'll sometimes hear the same announcer in one city and then in several others. Having seen the progression, does that kind of, I don't know if sad's the right word, but does that kind of take the as you said, personality out of not only the station, but if you're a drive time host of, you know, the morning or the afternoon or you're an overnight person, you know, back in the day, those people had the ability to put their fingerprint on whatever shift they were hosting. And now, as you said, it's kind of just a, a, a vanilling of whoever owns the most radio stations and who they have under their control. It's, do you find that to be sad to some degree? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, when one of famous rock star dies on the weekend because everything is voice tracked on most stations the, the guy gets no uh uh eulogy at all like um when uh, greg allman died on a saturday uh you know you gotta die, die during the work week when at least most of the people are alive <laughs> all right do it if you're gonna die do it right and get your proper homage from the radio djs no doubt we will not get the homage on the weekends because uh there's nobody there anymore it's all uh, voice track for the most part
You take up David Lee Productions more in a, in a full-time role in the mid-90s. So that entails building customer bases, uh, you know, whether that's a, making a full-time income or, or whatever. How do you go about building a customer base that would include a Fox Sports 1 or a Westwood 1 or being a voice of Clear Channel? How does that work? Well, uh, when I was starting out, it was basically... Other program directors would be riding through towns and hearing me, and they would inquire, who is that? And then I would get a phone call. Uh, so it was a lot of word of mouth back then. And, you know, you had demos, but there were no websites or anything. to. So you had to, if you really wanted to promote, you had to send the tapes out to uh, various radio stations. Has the emergence of technology made it that much more easy for you to get work? So now if people hear... Well, I mean, I, I guess I let the cat out of the bag here for a second. Um, I, You are the voice giver for Clear Channel, WMMS, which is obviously an iconic radio station, has fallen victim to uh, getting gulped up by some of the bigger conglomerates as well. But you're the voice guy for Clear Channel. So I've heard you for decades, and uh, you used to say uh, Cleveland in, a, in your kind of uh, iconic way. And so I started trolling the internet. I'm like, who's the guy that does the voice stuff for WMMS? And then I find your website and I shoot you email. It's got to be that much more easy if somebody hears you, they don't know your name, for them to find you and, and get work. Has that increased the base for you with the technology? Yeah, it's very, very helpful. Uh, and then you can have all your demos right online. And it's it's quick to send audio now. I used to have the FedEx truck to my, come to my house every day. And uh, it's just so much more immediate and, and quick. The downside is because it's so much easier, there's so much competition. It's really tough now to get work because uh, everybody and their grandmother wants to be a voiceover talent. And it's relatively cheap now because you can just hook a microphone up to a computer and buy a editing program and you're ready to rock, you know? So to follow up with that, do you have any idea, aside from obviously millions, right? But uh, do you have any idea how many people do what you do on your level? And certainly I can say I'm no voiceover talent, but I don't think I would ever even compare pipes to yours or should a lot of people because you have a very signature voice is there a skill to it as well do you need to be fluid do you need to fit your customers requirements and is this something that you're practicing all the time in order to not only focus on a niche but make yourself as widely available as possible to a potential customer or client yeah i, I tend to stick to my my niche uh, my signature sound and that's usually how i get work but I do compete for other work. Um, I do uh, have an agent and I get sent scripts and I, I read these scripts and I may read 50 scripts before I get a job. I mean, it's very, very competitive and those are the hard, for me, uh, the ones where they want more of a, a normal guy sound, those are really obviously very hard for me to get. But if they want, uh, you know, a commanding sports voice, uh, when I see those, I put those at the top of the deck because, hey, maybe I'll have a shot at this one. You know what I mean? I would assume that from a recognizability standpoint, you can walk down the mean streets of Green Bay or Trevor or wherever, and you might not get that facial recognition that a Brad Pitt 
or a Rock Johnson would get. But if people start to talk to you and they've listened to the radio and they hear your voice, do they give you that wide-eyed look and go, hey, are you that guy on the radio? Every now and then um, it does happen, but not as much as you would think. A lot, a lot of people just, uh, hey, you got a good, you got a good voice for radio or uh, you should do voiceovers, not realizing that I do it. <laughs> but uh, as far as being able to zero in on exactly who I am, uh, it happens very rarely. Having put together a mishmash basement studio as I have over the last 10, 12 years of doing this show, I've kind of been a self-taught, get this piece, get that piece. But in the end, you have to have a great voice in order to set yourself apart. And I've had any number of questions over the years saying, hey, the guy that's doing your lead-in, does is that his real voice? Or is he processed out of his mind using different programs and, and other pieces of hardware? This is you, right? I mean, we're, we're not talking to you through any type of uh, big-time editing or uh, processing equipment. This is the voice you walk around with. Well, um, you know, there is uh, a little bit of processing going through the microphone. But, um, you know, it's basically, it's not like I've got a... You know, uh, harmonize what they call it a harmonizer, where it would change the pitch of your voice. Um, you know, it is my voice, but it's obviously coming through professional equipment. Um, right now, it's coming down through Skype, so it's not going to be as crisp and clear as, as it would be if it was uh, just a studio of me making a recording for, say, Westwood One. What kind of a microphone you spit into? I got a Sennheiser. Is it a shotgun mic or? A yeah, I've got the shotgun mic. Um, I just switched over to it. I had the the other Sennheiser. I always forget the the numbers of them, but uh, I've used Sennheiser for probably twenty five years. So a trusted piece of equipment in your arsenal. Yeah, but I just switched over to the shotgun one uh, maybe like uh, two years ago. David, last question, and I appreciate the time this evening. When you get an email from a guy in Cleveland, Ohio, asking you to do some voice work production for his internet barbecue show, do you think to yourself, well, this must be spam or this guy's just putting me on? Like, what are your first thoughts for uh, a guy asking you to, to do stuff that is on an internet show? <laughs> well, I, I actually, I don't do that. I When I see stuff come through, uh, I assume it's legit every now and then I'll, I will get a scam. There are scams out there, but I can usually spot them pretty quickly. Um, yeah, I I ask people what they what they want, and uh, we try to come up with a price that's suitable for clients like yourself. It's, it doesn't always have to be uh, you know, a radio client or a, a big network or anything like that. What's your best moment on air? Best moment on air? Yes. You mean from the past? Yes. Oh, um, I'm trying to think now. You're taking me back. <laughs> um, well, I've interviewed a lot of people. I was on Jay, Jay Leno um, back when, this is back in the, uh, back about 1990. No, actually it was in the 80s when he was just taken off. Um, you know, I had a, I ended up on a national show in, interviewing him. It was like a, a hip hipster 60 minutes type show that CBS, uh, I can't remember if it was, I, I believe it was CBS. Yeah. So I did, that was one of the more high profile things I did. 
We're talking with David Lee. You can find him on the internet at davidleeproductions.com. So if you are interested in having him voice some stuff, get in touch with him. Obviously, he does great work. Otherwise, I wouldn't have him on the really big barbecue show, that's for sure. David, really appreciate the time this evening. Thanks so much for doing it. I appreciate appreciate it, Greg. Good luck to you, and uh, thanks for everybody for uh, keeping DavidLeeImaging.com out there. And uh, we really appreciate uh, all the kind words that you guys have given me through the through the, all the different years. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. All right, take care, brother. There he is, David Lee. Everybody, wow! So thank you, a for indulging me. Of course, that wasn't uh, as I said. It's it's not always barbecue on the show, but come on. This guy is top voice talent in the country. Clear Channel's main voice. That's right. Just when I think my voice is kind of commanding, I go ahead and put David Lee on and then realize that Wow, what a voice. Let me talk to you quickly about the Pit Barrel Cooker Gang. Pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature-controlled fire management. What woods to buy? Who needs the hassle? When I strongly suggest the Pit Barrel Cooker. The Pit Barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that will turn out great traditional barbecue meats like brisket, pork shoulder, and ribs, while also being able to ramp up and tempt to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. The versatility, all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection. Their hook and hang method places the food in the center of heat so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. The result is great tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's an aesthetically sexy devil as well. Not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel is able to withstand any type of weather condition, also extremely portable. Fits in the back of most trucks, vans, and SUVs. It's ready to go wherever you are. Of course, all barbecue folks love accessories, and Pit Barrel doesn't disappoint here either. From rubs to sauces to the unique removable ash pans, turkey hangers, pit grips. You can find a whole list of accessories at the Pit Barrel website that will complete your Pit Barrel cooking experience. For the best part, $299. The Pit Barrel comes fully assembled, ready to cook on, and ships for free right to your door. So does everything else they sell, by the way. Don't take my word for it. Amazing Ribs continues to sing their praises, giving them gold star reviews many years in a row. Head on over to pitbarrelcooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. Be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos. Then pick up one or two for yourself. You'll thank me later. 502-228-1222 is the number. Pitbarrelcooker.com is the email address. I'm sorry, is the website. We are back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. You know, I'm thinking to myself, it would be perhaps even way better if I could somehow convince David to just sit on the line as we connect it. We tried to do IPDTL earlier, which would have given just a, a more incredible sound. To, I mean, he sounded incredible on Skype. That's when you know you have a great voice. You sound incredible on Skype, plus he has really good equipment. 
But that's a good way to tell how good of a voice you have. But to just have him on the line and live talk me back, I'd be like, that would be the best, right? Absolutely. All right, thanks again to David Lee for joining me last segment, and we will go ahead and get ready to get out here all the way back in the first hour. We had Stephen Reichlin, barbecuebible.com. Check that website out if you're looking for Christmas goose tips. Also, prime rib tips. Also, Cuban pork for Christmas. He's got a great bunch of recipes listed on that Barbecue Bible website, so check it out if you have any other questions or ideas from a icon. We also talked with John Stolberg in the first hour talking about the launch the first Thursday of January of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. That's going to be fun. Again, if you have any suggestions or comments for John, J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. So look forward to that. And of course, the really big voice guy for the Barbecue Central show, David Lee from David Lee Productions, that website, davidleeproductions.com, so you can hire him. The voice of Westwood One and the Barbecue Central show, not necessarily in that order. A great conversation. All right, uh, we will be live again next Tuesday, December 26th. Jess Pryles already loaded up for that one. Embedded Correspondence loaded up for that one. So stay tuned for that. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.